Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Would you just follow along as I read this portion of scripture? And here's what we read in God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would replace that this morning to the saints who are in St. Thomas and faithful. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, that's the beloved, we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the promise of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him also When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Folks, This is a very rich chapter about the greatness and the goodness of God in this chapter. And I'm not going to touch on everything. We won't have time to expound on it all. But we're going to skip a stone over the top of this passage. But what Paul does is he hammers out for us the reality that Christianity is not a religion, religion based on our efforts to try to gain favor with God. The amazing thing about Christianity is that in spite of who we were, in spite of the fact that we were contrary in all things to God, that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, that we loved darkness and that we loved our sins and that we lived and we fed off the passions of our flesh, in spite of all those things, what we see in this chapter is that God, by his own doing, worked within us to bring us to himself by joining us to Christ by faith through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, through which, because of our union with Christ, we now have every spiritual thing, every spiritual blessing through him. And Paul, in this letter, turns our attention to the greatness of God. That's what this is all about, the greatness of God. 
And that's what we want to do. We want to turn our attention this year fully on the greatness of God. And we want to focus on his greatness. So let me unpack just a few of the blessings of this passage. When we begin by looking at verse 3, Paul states, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Okay, here we go. Such a rich passage. When Paul uses that phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that, that word blessed there means to eulogize or, or in other words, to declare the goodness of, right? It means to be praiseworthy. And that's what God is, is he not? He is praiseworthy. In fact, he's so praiseworthy that the primary purpose of the Christian, we call it evangelism, but what evangelism is, is to declare the goodness of God. In fact, John Piper goes to say that the reasons missions exist is because worship doesn't. Let that sink in for a while. But it's so true, isn't it? God the Father is worthy to be praised because he's blessed us, and that word blessed there means that he's evoked favor upon us in Jesus Christ. And because of that, because he's evoked his blessings upon us, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, right? Now, I want you to note something of importance here in verse 3. It makes very clear as we look at it that he's blessed us in the beloved, or we know the beloved to be none other than Jesus Christ himself, right? That's where the blessings lie, through him, in him. They are only ours if we are in Christ. If we're not in Christ, these blessings are not ours. But when we are in Christ, every spiritual blessing, not just some, not just the majority, but every spiritual blessing belongs to us, has been given to us through him. Now, when we think of spiritual blessings, it's maybe somewhat difficult to define or understand, but here's the truth of the matter. We often compare spiritual elements with material or physical elements, right? That's how we normally compare things. And the truth be told, I think for the most part, all of us would prefer material blessings, things that are tangible, Things that we can see or hear or put our hands on, right? And thinking of the day and age we live in right now, there's a number of things of spiritual blessings that, that we would maybe set aside in hopes for material blessings like, like peace in the land, right? For, for truth to prevail, I mean, for, for equality among the races, right? For financial prosperity for all of us, right? These are the type of blessings that we spend our time with thinking about, and we would love these things to become reality, right? These tangible, material, physical-type blessings. But here's the reality. Spiritual blessings, the blessings that you can't see, the blessings you can't touch, the blessings you can't hear are far greater than any material blessing of this world. 
any physical blessing that we could have in our day. Many of you might remember in the early 1990s, MasterCard started a new ad campaign. And I'm sure you're already figuring out where I'm going with this. One of the commercials that they first started with this new ad campaign in the 1990s is a commercial of a father and son going to like a major league baseball game. And the commercial goes something like this. Two tickets to a baseball game, $46. Two hot dogs, two popcorns, two sodas, $27. One autograph baseball, $50. Real conversation with an 11-year-old son, priceless. You know what I'm talking about. They've got numerous commercials like this. But then they end the commercial this way. There are some things money can't buy. And for everything else, there's MasterCard. Right? We've seen variants of this this ad campaign throughout the years, and it's still going. Right? And here's the thing. When When we're reminded of commercials like this, What we often hope for is we want to go to that baseball game. We want to go and get that autographed baseball, right? We want to be in the stands and watch the game. But really what's most important is that one-on-one connection with the sun, right? And so we see this, and, and, and so we want the tangible, physical blessings Over and above the spiritual blessings. That's the correlation here, right? We want what we can touch, what we can hear, what we can feel, what we can see. Those blessings. But the spiritual blessings from God are the ones that are truly priceless. We set our aim far too low, right? We want what we can have now. We don't want to wait for what we can have later, right? Spurgeon actually had a jump on this. And he said, listen to what Spurgeon's comment was. But our thanks to God ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. Listen how he explains this. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. But man, it's so hard, isn't it, to to embrace spiritual blessings as being the ultimate blessings when what we really want is just those things that we can have here now, right? Listen, Paul goes on and he unpacks some of the spiritual blessings in this passage. 
Because that's where our focus needs to be, folks, on the spiritual blessings of God, not the earthly, physical, tangible blessings of this world. In verse 4, he begins to unpack these spiritual blessings. Look at verse 4. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. This, folks, is definitely a priceless spiritual blessing. God chose you. Okay? Let this sink in. God chose you before the world was created. Not a potential you, not a theoretical you, specifically you. He chose you before the world spun on its axis. He chose you so that you would be holy, meaning that you would be set aside for him. You ever had that kid at Christmas time and there's one present above every other present that takes the cake, right? All the other presents like just kind of mean nothing compared to this one. This one present, that one's special to them. So they set it aside above every other present. That's what it means to be holy. God looked at you and he set you aside for himself. You. Not someone who may be like you. Particularly you. And how is this possible? How is it possible that he could set us aside for himself and that we should be blameless before him when we're a people of darkness? We're people who love our sin and indulge in the passions of the flesh. How is it possible? Why would he do that? Here's how it's possible. By uniting us to Christ so that in his death, burial, and resurrection, When he died on the cross, you were already joined to Christ on the cross, and he bore your sin. He took your sin upon himself, and then his righteousness, Christ's perfect righteousness, was put upon you, was imputed to you. That's how you could stand blameless before God, and it's the only way how. It's nothing you can do yourself. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. It's absolutely impossible. He goes on in verse 5. It says, He predestined us for the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Again, this isn't doctrine that we fight over. This is God saying, this is who I am. This is Paul revealing the greatness of God. That from before the foundation of the world, he had predestined you to be one of his children. You see, what we learn in this is that we don't choose God. We didn't choose God. We chose sin. We chose death. We chose the passions of the flesh. But God chose us, and then he worked within us. You might say, well, wait a minute. No, I chose God. Well, listen, God chose you and then worked within you to turn you around to choose him. 
right? It's a beautiful thing. This is why we can say that he, we love him because he first loved us. So let this be an encouragement to you. God had his eye on you before you were ever created in the womb. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. There are, you know, it's alarming to me how many people I've met with over the years within the church, and some of you are here this morning who have told me that you were told you were an accident, that you were an oops, and that you were a mistake, and that you were unlovable. Many of you have told me these things. But here the word of God tells you, you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Your life is not without meaning and without purpose. You exist because he chose you from before the creation of the world. He knew you by name before the world spun on its axis. Let that be an encouragement to you. He knows you by name. Why did he do this? Verse 6 tells us, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. The beloved is Jesus Christ. He did this. So that we can see his glorious grace. And in a very simplified manner, what is God's grace? It is undeserved favor. And that's why he chose you. Right? So that we can see how great his grace is. He did this so that he could just display his goodness with which he blessed us through Jesus Christ. His grace and how we have access to his grace is another spiritual blessing. Verse 7 highlights how his grace is a spiritual blessing. When you look at verse 7 and leading into verse 8, we read, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. That word lavished doesn't mean he just sprinkled on us. He dunked you into his grace. You're smothered in his grace. You're buried in the bottom of his grace. That's how much grace he has lavished on you, right? But backing up, when we look at this verse, we see that we have redemption, meaning that we were redeemed. We were bought at a price is what it means. And no, you were not bought from the devil, He never owned you in that sense. He bought you. He paid the price for your sin. He redeemed you from the wrath of God. He saved you from God for God. And he paid the price. That's grace. That's immeasurable grace. Oh, I hope that's not lost on us. 
And as we move on from there, I mean, we're just touching on these things a little bit this morning. Because remember, we want to just, we want to focus on the greatness of God in 2022. In verses 11 and 12, we read of another spiritual blessing that we have an inheritance. Let's look at verse 11. And yes, folks, I know we're going through this quickly. And there's, man, we could just stop and talk so much about all the other elements in here. But look at verse 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Now, let's pause there for a moment. I remember years ago when I first began to study this passage, and, and which correlates with another one in 1 Peter, the word obtained struck me. Because, you see, there, there's another word. There's the word obtained, and then there's the word attain, right? And I realized that the word attain means to strive towards, means to work for. The word obtained means to inherit in spite of who you are. You did nothing to get it. So this word is very, very important. You and I did not attain the inheritance from God. You can't work for it. It is obtained. It is inherited. It is given to you in spite of who you are. And that because of Jesus Christ. So that word is important. For we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, an inheritance from God. This is a spiritual blessing again. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Hmm. Okay, so everything that we're going through in this life, everything that we're experiencing right now, no matter how discouraging it may seem, no matter how bleak it may seem to us, Here's the thing. He has worked everything. He has predestined everything according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right? He uses all of these things for his will. We don't know how. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. But it all comes together because he is sovereignly in control of all things. And through him... We have inherited the spiritual blessing of this inheritance. This inherit. What is this inheritance? Well, we get a, the scriptures talk about this more often. For example, in Romans chapter eight, verses sixteen and seventeen, it tells us this: that the Spirit Himself, that's the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that what we are children of God. That's a spiritual blessing because it's not physically attained by us. It's done by God Himself through Jesus Christ, right? And He goes on: and if we are children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That last statement on verse 17 is the indicator that if you are in Christ, it will be evident by the things that you go through. But listen, backing up to the beginning of verse 17, if you are children, then you are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's an important statement. Do you know why? Do you understand what it means to be a fellow heir with Christ? Here's what it means. That whatever Jesus Christ will inherit, you will inherit. That's what that means. Let that sink in, folks. 
That is an incredible spiritual blessing. Every blessing that Jesus will inherit, everything that God the Father will give to his son, he will give to you. Everything, nothing withholding. Can you accept that? Can you receive that? You must because you've been joined to Jesus. And if anything gets withheld from you, it gets withheld from Jesus. But we know God the Father isn't going to withhold anything from Jesus. He will give him all things. And we are joint heirs together with Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Furthermore, we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, that in this inheritance, that it is imperishable, it's undefiled and unfading. It never loses its worth. It never diminishes in its value, right? It never becomes useless. It is more valuable or it is, it is of the same value today as it will be when we, re, when we inherit it. It will not lessen, it will not rust, it will not corrode, it will not rot, it will not fade. Its value never ceases, it never changes. And it goes on, it tells us that we are being guarded through faith for salvation, which is a part of this inheritance that will be revealed to us in the last days. Look at this, folks. Are you hearing what's going on here? God in his greatness, God in his goodness, in heaven is guarding your salvation and your inheritance. Look, if God is guarding your inheritance, who's going to take it away from you? Nobody. Where is it being guarded? In heaven, right? No sin can get to it. The devil can't get there. The world can't get there, right? Nothing can impact it. God is guarding your salvation and your inheritance. So you see, in this life, we may end up living as paupers with nothing to our names. We may end up living lives in this world when the world looks at us that they may say, they don't amount to much or to anything. But that means nothing when you are in Christ. In this life, you may have nothing. You may be alone. You may hardly have a roof over your head, if at all. But here's the thing. In Christ, we lack nothing, and we have an inheritance coming. You see, it's not the lack of earthly possessions that count in this life. It's the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus that's reserved for us in heaven. Man, we've, we've so locked into this lifestyle where because of MasterCard, you can have everything you want now, so we have no concept or idea of what it means to wait for that which has been reserved for us. There used to be a phrase when I was a younger kid that I used to hear a lot that drove me crazy, and it was a word called delayed gratification. Anybody familiar with that term? Right? And it's like, there's a delay into getting what you want. So there's delayed gratification, right? And I remember it's something we did with our kids too. My son, Braden, will remember this. He wanted an iPod so bad. And so he got a paper out and it paid him measly dollars. 
And he saved and he saved and he saved for months. And before he had saved enough, you know, I thought to myself, Marsh and I talked about this, we're like, hmm, might be a good idea to train him, to teach him about good debt and bad debt, right? And Braden, I know you remember this. What, ha- what ended up happening is we made a deal with him. We're like, we'll tell you what, we're going to loan you the money, right? And we'll go get this iPod for you. And you can have it now. But all your money is ours until it's paid for. He's like, deal, let's do this thing. So here's what happened. We went down to Best Buy. We picked up the iPod. And I don't know if it was that day or the following day. He was much younger, maybe nine at this time, 10 at most, maybe. And he accidentally poured water. He tipped the cup and it poured water over his new iPad, iPod, not iPad, iPod. And it was devastating. It was, it was wrecked. And there was nothing we could do. I did call Best Buy. I'm like, is there any sort of return policy? Here's what happened. They're like, no, sorry, nothing we can do about it. And I'm like, so Marsh and I were like, well, you know what? Let's just go replace it for him. Let's go buy him another one, and then he can just keep paying it off. Because, man, it would just suck. To have, have all your money spoken for and not have an iPod, right? Because it still needed to be paid for. And we made the hard decision. We said, you know what? No. This is the perfect life lesson. Delayed gratification. So you know what happened? We did not go back and buy him another iPod. The poor guy... Worked for the next six months to pay off the debt that he had with, no, with nothing to show for it, no iPod. And I thought to myself, as hard as it was, that is the lesson we need to learn. When he had it all paid off with nothing to show for it, we said, okay, Braden, do you want to do this, do this again? We'll, we'll make the deal where we'll go buy it for you again. You can pay us off again, right? He said, no way. Not happening. I'm saving my money myself. And he did. He saved his money. And he worked, I think, for a full year. And then he went and he bought his own iPod. Delayed gratification. But that's not the lifestyle we live nowadays, is it? You want it? Just get another credit card, right? For everything else, there's MasterCard. But that's not how, that's why I think often we struggle with the concept of the blessings of God. These spiritual blessings that we'll inherit. We want them now. We don't want to wait. But they're worth it. They're worth it. Do the time. Be faithful. Because my goodness, this inheritance that we will receive does not diminish in value, doesn't rust out, doesn't fade away, doesn't become worthless. That's why we need to keep our eyes on the goodness of God. That's why we need to understand what awaits us. Back to the sermon here. Here's the other thing we need to understand. Earthly possessions and any earthly inheritance are momentary. And one day they'll be gone. 
They rust out, fade out, spend away. They're just, they're momentary. And you can't take them with you into eternity. One day they'll all be gone. But the inheritance we have in Christ lasts forever. And let's get back into the passage here. Looking at verses 13 and 14, we see another spiritual blessing in which he states that we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we possess it. Do you hear that? Man, any guarantee or warranty you get nowadays has a timeline on it, right? It's got a six months, a year, three years, five years, whatever. All warranties run out. But listen, God has done something here. He has given us his guarantee. How does he do that? By giving us the Holy Spirit, right? See, God is a great God. And apart from him, we would have access to none of these spiritual blessings. And he understands that that delayed gratification for us can be a very hard and difficult time for us. But what he's done is he's given to us the Holy Spirit, which is God saying, I guarantee that this is here for you. We're guarding it in heaven. Folks, if you have the Holy Spirit, and if you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit, then the guarantee from God is yours. The one true guarantee in life, besides taxes and death, is the inheritance that awaits you in Christ Jesus. Goodness. Wow. What becomes apparent to us again in verses 13 and 14 as well, it's not only that we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, but what's more is that God has held nothing back from us. And you know what this tells us? God doesn't just love us somewhat. He doesn't just love us at times. He loves us completely and perfectly and eternally. And he showed us this by giving us his only begotten son so that everyone that believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My goodness, brothers and sisters, he's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and everything we need for life and godliness, lacking nothing. And he's just telling us, hold on, I've got you. I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit. Don't be discouraged. Keep looking to me because the inheritance that we will receive on that day that we will possess is far greater than anything we will experience or endure in this lifetime. So don't throw it away. Hang on to him. So as we make our resolutions for 2022, I would urge us to become enamored with the goodness of God. Because it's only by looking at the goodness of God that we find strength to endure joy and hardship and the ability to endure 
all the trials and the tribulations that will come our way in 2022. Look to Christ and live. Look to Christ and find strength. Look to Christ and find joy. Look to Christ and know that anything we're experiencing now or will experience is but for a moment. Let us rejoice in the goodness of God. Pray with me. Lord, we've just begun to just kind of skim over the top of your goodness in the book of Ephesians. Lord, we know there are things coming our way in 2022 that we don't know how we're gonna handle, what we're going to do or what we should do. And if we just keep looking at those things, Lord, we'll be discouraged. We might even become hopeless or resentful. But I pray, Lord, that we would lift our eyes up, that we would look up, look up, that we would look up and we would set our eyes on you, Lord, that we would behold your goodness, that we would behold your greatness, knowing that anything and everything we receive from you is not because of who we are or what we've done. It's because of who you are, what you have done. When we look at Ephesians 1 and we see that We've been accepted in the beloved. We received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. There's an inheritance for us, waiting for us, and that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You've been gracious to us. You've lavished your grace upon us, Lord. And in all of this, you're using all things we haven't even looked at this today, Lord, for our own good. So, Lord, in 2022, when we come to the end of that year, as we look back, I pray we wouldn't be overcome with all the trials and tribulations that came upon us, but that we would be overcome with the goodness and the greatness of God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your grace upon us and to us. Thank you for sealing us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that today when we walk out of here, as we look at one another, we would see another brother and another sister that has received all of these things in the same manner. And they would give us cause to rejoice. Oh Lord, make your greatness the highlight of 2022. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.